because the shrub of your role grows and it's got to be trimmed back and it grows and we got to trim it back. So it's a, it's a life, it's a, it's an alive organism um, that's constantly moving, but we have everybody right out. Welcome to the building to scale podcast, where we bring real entrepreneur stories that showcase the challenges and successes in building and scaling an entrepreneurial business. Our host, Jeff Chastain, is a business transformation coach with Admentis, where he coaches business leaders and their teams with a proven set of principles and tools, helping them gain clarity in and get more of what they want from their business. Make sure to stick around until the end of the show, and we will reveal how you can become our next guest. Hello, everybody. Jeff Chastain here again with the Building to Scale podcast, where I've got another entrepreneurial business leader here with me today. Really looking forward to hearing their stories of challenges and successes as he's built his business over the years. Uh, so today, without further ado, today's guest here is Mr. Scott Beebe on, with Business on Purpose. So first off, Scott, welcome to the show and thank you for taking a little bit of time out of your busy schedule to join us. Well, you're welcome. It's easy for me, Jeff. You've done a lot of work behind the scenes to put this podcast together. So we've got a podcast and I know how much work it is. So thank you for allowing us to be a part of it. Yeah, no, you're welcome. And yeah, there's definitely truth to that. I spent quite a, quite a while doing the guest side of it myself. And it was easy at that point. You walk up, show up for an interview, talk for 30 minutes and you're done kind of a thing. That's Whereas right. the, the production side, there, it adds a lot to it. But I will say it's fun. It's, it's interesting being on the other side of the mic, hearing a lot more of the stories rather than doing interviews, which honestly tend to be getting pretty similar, pretty standard kind of script okay. at that point after a while. Yeah. So we're, I guess kind of start off here, Scott, tell us a little bit more about the business, about your role. What's, what's going on in your world these days? Yeah, no, we, uh, business on purpose. We, we do one thing. We liberate business owners from the chaos of working in their business and everything that we've built, every conversation we have uh, takes them to that one aim. Uh, because we realized that, uh, you know, we had a, a business owner a while back, Jeff called me and he was really frustrated with me because he said, you know, you constantly say you liberate business owners from chaos. He said, but I don't think chaos is ever going to go away. I don't think you can beat it. And I was actually walking around my street and I got to thinking about it. And I thought, I, I never want to imply that you can conquer it. And the more I got to thinking about it, I thought, wow, it's, it's the, the, the idea of a, a well-run business is Instead of a ship out on the ocean sea, just w open sea, just waiting for placid water, it's more like a lighthouse in the middle of a storm. So it's built on bedrock. It's built on some level of foundation that has some 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 duration to it, but the sea's still swirling all around. And so the idea is that we want to take a business owner and not insulate them from that necessarily, uh, but we want them to understand how to live within the midst of that. And yet, when they walk inside, there's peace when they go in, whether it's peace in their business or peace in their home, we're as interested. We tell people we're as interested in them as people and human beings, as family members and friends, as we are in them as business owners. And uh, it's important to us. And so a lot of the things that we talk about in business necessarily interact with life. So we don't segment the two. Uh, one of the statements that just, Oh, makes me cringe is when somebody says, Oh, Jeff, it's just business, man. You know, I know I just got mad at you and I yelled at you and I probably acted inappropriate, but hey, it's just business. And we use that phrase as this uh, cover-up, sort of a Band-Aid. And it's really unfortunate because it's not. There's no way to separate those. Yeah, it's interesting because I same kind of thing when I'm talking with business leaders. A lot of times people come into, especially the entrepreneurial world, saying, hey, 
growing this business is just going to be this nice evolutionary process. I add one more client, add one more employee. And the reality is there's some of that, but there's also the revolutionary timeframes of saying, hey, all of a sudden, once you get to seven, 10 employees, the way you deal with those employees is completely different than you did at the three or four days. So you've got to reinvent there. So to your point kind of thing, it's, it's almost like, hey, we got this figured out. We're running smooth now. And then the next speed bump happens kind of a yeah. thing there that, okay, we've got to, got to reinvent there. So yeah, it's never a, I look at it as it's, it's never figured out. You, you, you're constantly learning. You're constantly adapting because there's always going to be challenges, whether it's the, the key employee leaving, whether it's a, a global pandemic that when we're recording this still dealing with kind of a thing or simply a whale of a client landing on you. That's okay. There's always going to be challenges there. And back to your point of it's, it really, to me, depends upon the foundation there. It's like, okay, the, the old parable of saying house built on the rock versus house built on the sand, both houses are the same. Both are going to withstand storms. It's just, okay, what's your foundation like? Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's coming either way kind of a thing, whether it's mm-hmm. a good storm or bad storm, either one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you and I, you and I both deal a lot with, uh, with, with job roles and organizational structure and that sort of thing. And, um, what we start to find, you mentioned the seven to 10 employee. And as those, those ceilings sort of graduate up, uh, we find that the owner is becoming less and less and should be as you know, the old Michael Gerber statement, less and less of a technician and really in the entrepreneurial element of it. And what we talk about is they really become the chief training officer at that point. And their new role doesn't really have much to do with the product delivery. It has everything to do with the people at that point. So yeah, great point. Yeah, it was interesting. I want to make sure we get back to your journey, but now it was a book I was sitting here reading recently that was talking about the difference in managing versus coaching. And really the idea that the concept of a manager or the term of a manager is really honestly inappropriate, that it should be more of a coach that we're supposed to be meant there to, yeah. to guide and lead our team rather than sit there and micromanage, tell them exactly what to do. We're supposed to be there more almost as a facilitator and as a coach there once you get to that leader. And that's that's hard to do for a lot of entrepreneurs that are used to sitting yeah. there doing it all themselves. Yeah. So back us up a little bit. Tell us what, what what's your story? How did you get into business on purpose here? Oh, wow, Jeff. So I've got a very fragmented blueprint uh, to, to get to that. I'll call it that faithful day, fateful day in February 2015. So I grew up all over the country and uh, my dad's an engineer. So we just followed the opportunities around the country and ended up doing university at University of South Carolina. Then I went to theology school once I graduated there and then graduated theology school. I worked in business while I was in theology school but then graduated theology school and then went into um, pharmaceutical sales, you know, where most seminary grads go (laughs) into pharmaceutical sales. So I was, uh, we like to joke, I was a legal drug salesman for a couple of years, uh, did that, got some incredible wisdom from some mentors. I had the privilege of working for Pfizer. And so, yeah, they've got centuries of history and training and, and all sorts of valuable things that I was able to tap into. Um, ended up going to work on staff at a church and eventually their part of their strategy was to plant churches, to start new churches. So we, we did that, sent us to a part of the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex to do that and uh, did that for a few years. And I was like, yeah, I don't know that I really like this, uh, that much. There was about 20% of the role that I was really into. And there's about 80% of it. I was like, yeah, I don't know that I'm cut out for this. So we ended up moving to, uh, South Carolina where I went back to work for Pfizer. We were involved uh, and some really cool work in Nigeria starting in 06 when we planned the church. We got our, 
our little tiny group of people immediately involved globally. And we continue to go. I was just there right before the pandemic hit. So I haven't been able to go back since, but we usually go multiple times a year over to Nigeria and do what we do here over there. And we actually work with non-governmentals over there, really small nonprofit non-governmentals that can't even afford coaching. And we just do some great pro bono work over there. But we didn't start that, that we seeded that during that time I was with Pfizer. And while I was there, I was helping friends just kind of articulate vision, mission, values, organizationally, structurally. And then the small organization asked that we were volunteering with, asked if I would leave Pfizer and come on staff with them. So did that in 13. And then February 27th, after a very long story that I'll spare you the details from, Friday, February 27th, 2015, you can look up to make sure I'm good on the day. Um, I walked into a, uh, an emergency board meeting in the mid-cities of Dallas-Fort Worth, uh, 9 a.m. as the international director of this uh, small organization, and I walked out totally unemployed, um, completely. And there was nothing I could do. It was an internal board battle. I was just kind of a bystander casualty in it. And um, I left. I went and had lunch with one of the then ex-board members, because eight of the nine board members resigned on the spot because of some things going on. And so uh, I went to lunch and sat down with this one newly resigned board member. And we just kind of sat there and just staring at each other. And he's a business owner. We got to talk about a lot of things. And I wish I could tell you, he said, you ought to start a business. He didn't say that. We just talked about things. And then that next Monday, Jeff, I called two of my friends who were both business owners. And I simply said, hey, guys, I want to, I want to coach you guys. <laughs> and they were like, and they knew what was going on in the background. And they said, uh, yeah, yeah, what? We think you do a good job. What, what do you want to coach us on? And I was like, I, you know, I, vision missing. I just kind of chomped some things up. I put together my first proposal, Jeff, for $1,400, a one-time full one-day meeting of vision, mission, values, follow-up, the whole thing, $1,400. And they said yes without hesitation. I was sweating. I was so nervous. It's the most money I'd ever asked for. And now, Jeff, of course, you're looking at that going, that, that, how is that even worth the, the time, let alone the Wait, value? You cram that much into that little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, and that's how Business on Purpose started. Um, and so out of that, we ended up holding a couple lunches with those guys that I was doing work with. They invited some of their business owner friends and we organically grew. And that's, that's where now six years in um, of liberating these business owners from chaos. We've built a whole proprietary system and a variety of things, but it's, it's been a grind still is a grind. It's not. Yeah. Uh, and you know, that's the one thing, Jeff, I'm sure you did a great job of as a guest on podcasts is to constantly remind people that just because Jeff's voice or Scott's voice is on this podcast does not mean that we're at a rival checkpoint. We're still very much in the grind on the downhill, the uphill in the dip, wherever it is. And so uh, we're just sharing the plays that we're calling right now. That's it. It's definitely that. And it's to me, it's also a constant learning journey too. kind of a thing that I, I'm never going to say that I, that I'm the expert. I actually one of the things I talk with with guests and talk kind of the before the, the scenes here is saying, hey, you don't have to be an expert in your business. You don't have to be an expert in your field. The likelihood is that you're one step further than somebody behind you and you can help them along with that little bit of tidbit right there. You don't have to be the top, the ladder, the top, the tier, because reality is you'll never be there most likely. Mm. But it's, it's interesting there that I'm always working with people and telling them to say, hey, just there's somebody one or two steps behind you that you can always help. You can always be there to help somebody else with it. That's great wisdom. But then even still, it's the other, because I, I work with uh 
kids in school doing robotics and software kind of stuff quite a bit. And it's amazing with their mindset that they sit there and say, hey, it's it's K through 12. As soon as I graduate high school, I'm done with all this stuff. I'm done learning. <laughs> it's like, no, you're, you're just getting started at that point. It, it, as soon as you stop learning, as soon as you give up on that, you're you're lost at that point behind. Everybody's going to pass you by. It's like, yeah, you may not need the the biology or the, the the theater or whatever you're learning right now, but they're not teaching you that so much as they're teaching you how to learn. Because now in the real world, learning yourself, you got to teach yourself. There's no teacher sitting there standing over you giving you an A, B, C, or D. Did you did you read that book? Kind of a thing there. So that's it's a constant reinvention, and that kind of goes back to just being a business leader at that point. Is we very rarely got it all figured out. Even your case, kind of a thing there, walking straight into the first client, the first project. Yeah, we're winging this on the fly most of the time there, but it's still, we can bring value, hopefully, that we can, there's some expertise, even though it wasn't the most polished system right out the gate, out of, the, out of day one, you can still yeah. transfer value and bring value to them that way. Yeah, yeah. So take us a little bit more on that that journey from being in your, your first uh, conference room there with with barely a system, anything to where you are now with employees and everything else. What's 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 that journey been like or what's changed there in your your role? Well, I, you know, out of the gate, there were a couple of things that were incredibly helpful, uh, Jeff, for me. And again, these are just plays that I called in the moment. I didn't know if they were going to work or not. One of them was just my own personal disciplines um, that I still try to to instill. And I won't go through them because, I, you know, what works for me may not work for somebody else. But, you know, it's basic stuff. Um, quiet moments throughout, you know, in the early in the morning, walking, exercising, writing, reading, um, and, you know, all of those things that have historically been through the ages, the disciplines of those who have really grown uh, to do things impactfully. Um, those are the dis disciplines that I'm trying to emulate. One of the other things that I'm really glad I did, I was very scared. So I did get a little runway to be fair for the entire backstory. I had about, had about a three month runway um, to, to start with, but I took half of it and I hired a coach for, for a month. <laughs> and I thought I was out of my mind um, because I was paying $1,500 a month uh, I coach was Aaron Walker, still a dear, dear friend of mine, do a lot of work with him, you know, still a part of his ISI mastermind group. And, but had I not had a guy like Aaron every week, just going, where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you at? He didn't even know, need to know the next step necessarily, but he's outside of me watching me walk this path and go, Ooh, you probably don't want to go right, right there. I would go left. And what's interesting, Jeff, it's not the path that you walked either. So this is not a path that has necessarily been trodden in this specific direction, but it is a path to get to the summit of the mountain that I ultimately wanted to get to. We preach a ton about vision stories. It's the foundational thing that every business has got to write out, not in paragraph or in sentence, but in multi-page detail. And fortunately, I started doing that. It's part of what we teach now. So that turned into the system. And I think the other thing that really helped us, Jeff, that I'm, I'm glad we did up front, there's plenty that I'm not glad we did, but this one thing I am glad we did, is we captured everything that we did, documented video, whatever it was, we captured every process, we captured every piece of content, whatever. So now, like our podcast has almost 500 episodes in it in six years. And you just, it's because we just captured a bunch of stuff. Our YouTube channel has hundreds of episodes just in a few short years because you just capture everything. New team members that come on, they're able to have a quicker uptick because we've captured some of those processes. We've got regular team meetings. Uh, we've got our dashboards that we look at. We've got all of those things in place. And so I spend more of my time 
kind of overseeing the systems now than I even do running those to the point that my daughter about three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, we were on holiday together, all of us. And, and she looked up from her phone. She goes, dad, have you started to post on Instagram? And I'm like, I, I don't think, you know, here I am the mid forties dad kind of, you know, <laughs> playing like dumb dad. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I, I honestly didn't know what she's talking about. I mean, I know what Instagram is, but yeah. she says, you've got like 10 posts in the last three or four days. And it hit me. I'm like, oh my gosh, Kevin's doing all that. Like he's, we've got a virtual team member that works with Jesse directly. And like, he's killing it. He's doing all this stuff and I'm not doing it because we had laid out the system. So I would say those three things, um, particularly uh, making those investments up front, bringing on a coach, and then also systematizing everything that we had. Yeah, no, it's and and to me they're all three important. But yeah, looking at the the coach aspect, to me it's you. A lot of times as the entrepreneurial kind of business leader, you, you kind of get to that top point of the company, and it's like, okay, I haven't done this before. I haven't started a business. I haven't built a business. I'm an expert in technology or an expert in medical or whatever your field is. But it gets almost real lonely because it's like, okay, who do I turn to? What do I do? And you see a lot of, especially the visionary types out there that, okay, went to this seminar, read this book kind of a thing there. And it turns into almost the tail wagging the dog that, okay, what's, what the boss guy learned this weekend that we're going to implement this week and forget about the week after kind of a thing. So having that, that outside accountability, whether it's a, a board of directors, whether it's a coach, whether it's something like that, just to say, almost kind of check you there. Like we're saying, Mm -hmm. Hey, are you really on the right path? Might ought to not jump right into that one. Might ought to step left instead of right, kind of a thing. There really comes comes key at that point because it really is being on top of a company if you haven't done it before can be a a pretty lonely place at that point when you're stuck with some of those decisions and saying this is not my expertise. What do I do here at that point? Yeah, you know, Jeff. Yesterday, I, I'm a, I'm going to turn host and you turn guest for a second because I'd okay. love to hear your perspective <laughs> yeah. and I and I think others would as well. I got asked yesterday this, that you, you mentioned coach a few times. What's the difference between coaching and consulting? I'm going to ask the question to you a little bit different way because I'd love to hear your perspective. Is what value does an outside set of eyes and mind, and, and you know, we'll call it a coach as a term, but really it's an outside set of, of, of persona to look in on you. What value have you seen that bring from your own benefit serving others in that role? Well, I may actually may ask, answer both questions there because the the coach versus consultant one is one I get asked quite a bit kind of a thing there. And to me, the the consultant is the one there working on a project, working on an engagement, but typically from a consulting mindset, because I've been there before, you're always looking forward to, okay, what's the next project? How do I get effectively deeper embedded in your company right there, making you more dependent upon me that you have to keep paying my my hourly rates or whatever. So uh. it's an implementation consultant, an implementation technology person that they're, they're trying to dig in. Whereas my role as a coach, I look at it more as a sports team at that point that I, I don't get on the field and actually play the game. I'm here to teach you, guide you, help you go run your own company. But I'm, I look at my clients say, okay, I don't want to still be sitting here trying to teach you how to ride the bicycle in 20 years, kind of a thing here up, up front. Yeah. I'm holding on to the bicycle seat and helping you get your balance and get moving here. But if, if I'm still sitting here holding on the bicycle seat in 20 years, something's really gone wrong. Kind of a thing mm-hmm. here that I'm meant to be the outside. So to me, that's a big differentiator between the two, but then just really taking that again from the outside perspective. Cause a lot of times, and I'm assuming you're the same way I'll get asked, Hey, do you have expertise in X, Y, Z industry to come help me with this? 
and I almost look at that and say, hey, it's actually a benefit to you that I don't know that mm-hmm. industry inside and out because mm-hmm. I can come at it from the outside and ask the stupid question. Why are you doing yeah. things that way? Why is your business running that way? There's a quote I love, always like pulling out from it's a Rear Admiral Grace Harper that says the, the worst phrase in the English language is we've always done things that way or this way. <laughs> And yeah. it really, a lot of times that's where you get with the, the entrepreneurs, you get those blinders on to say, hey, this is the way we've always done things. And it's hard to see outside of that. So in our mm-hmm. position, sitting here talking to you outside of your lane, outside of your expertise, we can kind of sit there, even going back to what you were saying with your original coach. Okay, what, don't, be careful stepping left or stepping right there. That, or maybe even still, hey, have you seen this? Have you heard this? Try something new. That just really, to me, that's the way you, you, ever, you grow, whether it's on a personal level, a business level, whatever, is having those outside influences that may not necessarily, from a consultant standpoint, be telling you, here's the plan to go follow. Maybe it's from a coaching standpoint to say, hey, might try something else, or here's this other resource I know that this other company tried. Go look at it yourself, kind of a thing there to see if that helps. So don't yeah. know if that answered your question at all yeah, there, but no, I'm, that's, it's again, what's your aspect on it? And how you've laid it out. It's, it's very thoughtful. I like what you said about um, this idea of, your, uh, of thinking more of it like a sports team. Uh, it's day to day, constant push, constant push, and also the value of not having expertise in a certain in a certain arena. So, yeah, huge takeaways. So putting back on your company, what, what's what's kind of changed in you? I think you kind of hinted on it already. What's changed in your role of saying, hey, I'm starting off, I'm basically the, the one doing all of this to now having employees and having team members. And even you said the, the Instagram posts of not necessarily being 100% embedded in every single role and every activity there. Yeah, I'll give you a couple of the major things that I still do from a, a technical, obviously coaching from a technical standpoint, I've got a full slate of coaching. We've, we've capped my number. So we've got a kind of a, what a full book looks like. Um, but then there's some other things like, for instance, Kevin can't post anything unless he's got something to post. And so content creation, every coach we have has responsibility for content creation. So each week on Monday, each of us is writing an article, 500, 800 word article, which we then turn into complimentary content um, on the other platforms. So we take that one article and then give it to our team so that they can put it in the different platforms and, and what they do. So that's from a marketing standpoint. A sales standpoint, I've really tried to delegate that to each individual coach and our community leader. Um, but then the uh, the operations were still involved in coaching. That will slowly back off over time. Although I will never give up one-on-one coaching. Uh, I might slow it down, but that becomes the laboratory uh, for all the systems and everything that we have built to be able to serve people so well. And it's so nice to be able on a Tuesday to create a new tool for a client and then on Wednesday and Thursday, copy and paste, copy and paste. It makes it so easy for them. And there's value in having those people there. Uh, the, the biggest thing, though, is from uh, a team member perspective. Uh, I'll give you one little anecdotal thing that we do every week. We have what's called an onboarding process. And originally, it was for our new team members for their first 90 days that I would meet with them once weekly and ask them a defined set of seven questions. And we got to the end of that three-month period And I realized that they really liked it because it gave them a stage to sit with me. And if anything was on their mind, it was their opportunity to bring it up. And they could either bring it up in a roundabout way through the questions, or they could just bring it up directly. And I also realized, Jeff, wait a second, this is a great way for me to bring some things up. 
So instead of on a random Thursday afternoon, if I'm frustrated with something, just texting or calling or whatever, trying to figure out when to have that conversation, I know Tuesday at 1230, I can have that conversation with Thomas. Tuesday at four, I can have that conversation with Jesse. And we're going to have those. And so I literally take notes. They know exactly what questions I'm going to ask them. Question number one, where did you see us hit our mission and values this week? Question number two, what am I holding on to that is withholding you from being able to do your job? Question number th- uh, number three or four, what are the blind spots? And so just going down those questions, I think has probably been, it, again, this is not the silver bullet. It's just a piece, one little play that we're calling in the full playbook, but that has been certainly a, a, a powerful, we're gaining 10 yards of play on that one. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Well, it really comes down to the communication side because that's, and that's again, a hard one there once you start having to delegate and take stuff off your plate is, to, okay, maintaining those lanes of communication. And you really want it to be not just your communication out to the team is you want the feedback yeah. coming up because, like you said, they're out coaching as well. They're dealing with stories. They're bringing you back, hopefully, information to overall improve on the overall process, the overall product as a whole, and you don't want to rule that out. But to your point of having the, the scheduled uh huddles kind of thing there yeah that's that it takes a lot of the pressure off and to me that's also one of the keys that that's the sign of a growing business at that point because a lot of times the entrepreneur or the business leader will basically say open door policy that just means people are coming in constantly interrupting you distracting you etc whereas if you've got a scheduled time set up it's like hey does that really need to be right now or can it be saved for next tuesday in our, our conversation there and kind of start effectively training some of that communication get a little bit more structured there rather than just being complete ad hoc and then nobody gets anything done when everybody's yelling over cue balls. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's good. So interesting. So um, what has been some of that? uh, I guess change this around a little bit. So from a a delegation standpoint, when you've been handing some of that stuff off, how have you drawn the line to say, okay, this is what I'm going to hand off. This is what I'm holding too closely versus like you said, Hey, I'm never giving up one-on-one coaching. How, How have you drawn the line or figured out, what's good for me and what's not to, to hand out. We have a tool that we built called the delegation roadmap and we actually have all of our clients and key leaders go through it. And essentially in the tool, they map out, including myself. I just did mine about uh, six months ago. I refresh it usually once or twice a year. So it's about time uh, because the shrub of your role grows and it's got to be trimmed back and it grows and we got to trim it back. So it's a, it's a life it's, a, it's an alive organism um, that's constantly moving. But we have everybody write out every single task they're currently doing. I mean, everything. Jeff, if you're taking out the trash, write it down. If you're still making bank deposits, write it, you know, everything. And then we have them uh, uh, put approximately how many minutes per week they spend doing that thing. Even if they just do it once a month and it takes them an hour, we have them divided up at, in 15-minute increments across the, you know, the, the, the week. Um, and then uh, through that, we also have them rank it in terms of what kind of energy level it gives them, up, neutral, or down. Either it gives them energy, it's kind of like, eh, I don't know, or down, sucks the life out of them. And so putting all of that together, we can take a task, the amount of time it takes and the energy it gives you. And then what I do after I write my list is I send it to my team and they look at it and they pick from it like a menu. Like, would you like to do any of this stuff? Uh, that you see any of my neutral or down twos or threes on. If you see any of that, that I'm happy to give that. In fact, my 12-week plan this 12 weeks, my number one goal of three is to literally, in air quotes, delegate most everything uh, is what I put in there. And so uh, we use our 12-week plan 
to go back and make sure that we're delegating those things there. Now, I've got, a, I've got to document the original process so that when I delegate that task, they can do it, at least start doing it that way, and then they can morph it as time goes on. But that, that one tool um, has been a game changer. Yeah, no, I've got do similar kind of a thing. It's it's more of a, a love versus loathe of yes, I can do this stuff. I really <laughs> hate good. doing it kind of a thing. But it's it's interesting because when you and, and you probably hadn't reached this from a size perspective, once you start looking at that or doing that with teams, you can sit there because the who knows the accounting person will come in and say, Hey, we're just slammed right now. We need we need another another person on the team, kind of a thing. We need more resources here to handle what we're doing. It's like if you sit there instead of just throwing, hey, we'll throw another one of you, throw another cog into that that mix right there. If you follow that same process that you're talking about there and say, okay, everybody identify on this team. What do you like doing? What you don't like doing? And then go carve out a special role, carve out a strange person at that point to say, okay, let's go hire somebody that basically takes all the stuff that you hate doing across the team, make that their job. Cause we can find somebody that loves doing documentation that all of you guys hate writing, or it loves facing clients that all of you guys hate doing kind of a thing there to where it's not just necessarily scaling vertically. You're actually getting more of the, the resources there put together to take some of that stuff off, build the energy up of the team while mm. at the same time, hopefully getting somebody new that that is their energy source there to go mm. do whatever you don't like. So yeah, I love that process. It's, it really, it's a different take on, on hiring and building out teams there rather than, because a lot of times we tend to hire people like us at that point. And it's yeah. like, okay, let, let's hire for maybe somebody strange, somebody that's not like us there that can take some of this stuff off that we don't like doing. Cause there's, there's always that piece to a business there. Well, the, a great example is um, who we've got to hire for coaches. We've, we've, I mean, there's, you know, when you talk about disc personalities or whatever, I mean, there's 20, 24 different types that you could look at hiring. And we've really got it narrowed down to just about two different types that really fit well in this world. And they're not like me. Um, I'm actually not the perfect prototype for a, for a business coach. I'm, I'm good and I'm really good at what I do. But the really ideal prototype for a business coach uh, is one of these other minute personalities that are really hard to find, and it takes a while to do it. And so when we have somebody on the hook, which our, our last coach that we hired and this next one that we hired fit those two personality types, um, I, I, we are obsessed with that. And we've had two or three people that we reached out to that were potentials and all that, and we ran them through profiles and we're like, oh, no, 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 no. They're, they're, they would be miserable. It's not just us with them. They would be miserable here yeah. um, working with us. And so we're really adamant about that entire process, both the hiring process, our hiring process about two to three months in, in length, um, and then also the onboarding process, and then making sure that we delegate well once we've got there. All very intentional steps. Yeah, that, that could turn into its own own discussion, own interview there. But yeah, I really like the idea. There's <laughs> too many times you look at if you go look at job descriptions on Monster or Indeed or something like that, it's just a list of skills. And it's like, that's yeah. in a lot of ways, that's almost the least important piece that you want them yeah. to fit your culture. You want them to fit the the prototype uh, mindset, et cetera. You want them to be learners long before skills can be taught. You can go, as long as somebody's a learner, you can you can teach them Excel when they only knew something else or what, whatever the, the tools that you happen to use in the business, you can teach them that stuff. But mm-hmm. all the other stuff that you're talking about, the personality, the profile, that's to me, that's so much more important than just skills at that point. Yet mm-hmm. so many companies, that's, that's their hiring processes. Oh, you match the skills, you're hired. And it's like, you're just causing both sides a lot of grief at that point. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, unfortunately, we're getting a little long here, but um, I always like to come back and kind of wrap up just to say, hey, I know we've talked actually about a bunch of different things already, but if there was one skill or one lesson learned kind of something to say, hey, if I had just known this five, six years ago building the company, or if in your case, some of your clients had just seen this a little bit earlier, might've kept things on the rails a little bit better. Is there anything that comes to mind there? Yeah. You know, the the luxury that, that we've got is not that we've not done anything wrong, but that we're constantly coaching clients so that when we go into it, we've, we've got that benefit. But I'll give you one thing that has been a constant thorn source of frustration. Um, I, I'm, I'm a man of convicted faith and I've got a prayer sheet that I, uh, I, I use that I, because I forget to pray for things and people say, Hey, can you pray for whatever? And I'm like, yeah. And then I forget. And so I write it down on a spreadsheet, go figure a systems coach using a spreadsheet for prayer. But um, I've got, I'm, I, I've still got, I looked at it this morning, May 15th, 2018. I wrote down there, pray for a powerful marketing partner. And here we are almost three years later and they're just hard to find. Yeah. And so I think if there's one thing uh, that I wish it's not that somebody would have told me, I'm sure plenty of people told me this, but that I would have situated into is marketing is a long play. Um, the number one form of all marketing for all businesses, the silver bullet, if you want the secret word of mouth, <laughs> whether you're selling yeah. candy bars, ice cream, uh, you know, business coaching, whatever it is, word of mouth, it's the hottest, it's the best, it's the trendiest, and it is the hardest to come by. Um, outside of that, social media is great, but if you want to sell on social media, be ready to put in five and six figures worth of money every month to sell reasonable amounts of, of, of product and service on social media. Um, there's, I'm sure there's a, there's a one-off here and there, the exception to the rule, but the reality is there is no easy, fast fix to marketing. Uh, word of mouth is the silver bullet and it takes a long time to get there. It definitely does, but it's really turns into what I see. And, and I, I'm even that way too, is basically it turns everybody into a salesperson. You've got to have your message. Totally. You've got to be constantly talking to anybody and everybody, whether it's, I, I was talking to another coach recently who said, yeah, they had uh, a company out putting new siding new on the house or whatever, and just got to talking about the, talking with the, the lead foreman there about how's the business going, what's going and turned it into a client right there just for, Hey, I can help you guys actually grow this business up kind of a thing there. So it's just the random conversations that you can potentially have, but yeah, it's That's just right. constantly talking to people. Cause to your point, yeah. Pick social media, website, whatever kind of a stuff, even the podcast stuff we're talking on right now, it definitely helps get the word out, but yeah, you can spend a whole lot of money there without a lot of results or especially if you're not playing the long game. Cause it's, yeah, we started really long-term. We started serving a new client uh, last week. One of our coaches did and, they had a financial advisor who referred him to us and um, we called the financial advisor to thank him. And, and he said, Hey, I want to tell you before you go, I know marketing's a big frustration for you. And he and I share a mastermind group together. So I, I bemoan about it a lot. And uh, he said, I want to let you know, <clears throat> had you not posted all the content that you guys have posted every single week for the last year and a half, you would not have gotten this client. He's been watching you and you didn't know it. And, yeah. and that, that was a real shot in the arm for me. Um, because we devote about two hours every week. Every coach does two hours every week to doing nothing but content creation and production uh, or, or delivery, content creation and delivery and getting that out. And it's just on repeat, repeat, repeat. Well, we don't know who's watching. And so it's air support 
to the infantry, but the infantry is getting, just like you said, those, those one-off conversations or intentional conversations. Home builders saying, hey, I want to meet regularly with architects. Uh, architects saying, hey, I want to regularly meet with developers or whatever. And having those intentional, I'm just going to do this once a week, once a month. And lo and behold, things start working over time. Yeah. And it's really the intentionality aspect of that. Because yes. yeah, you see something, you do it for, yeah, we're going to do blog posts for the, every day for the next month and you see no results. So, okay, we're going to give up on it. It's like, no, it's, it's still the long-term long game there. Because like you said, somebody's watching, somebody may not be in need today, but in six months, when you've been keep dripping, keep repeating right that, then they'll remember at that point when they are in need at that point. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's a long game. And especially for, for those of us that are not marketing inclined, it can be a frustrating one. Yes. Yes. It can. So appreciate the time here. Um, if people only get to know more about you, get to know more about your story, talk to you, where's the, where's the best resources they can go find you? Jeff, thank you for asking. Our website, we have been very intentional to put the answers to most people's biggest questions about business coaches and business right on the front page. We don't shy from it. So it's right there on the front page. You can just go to mybusinessonpurpose.com. And we've got links to everything else throughout the website. So just start there, mybusinessonpurpose.com. Yeah, I took a look at it earlier. It's really nicely, nicely well-written and a lot, of, a lot of good pertinent information there. So all looks good. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you again for taking a few minutes out of your time. We appreciate it. Jeff, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Building to Scale podcast. If you would like to share your entrepreneurial business growth story, please visit buildingtoscale.com slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you do both us and our guest a favor and share it on your social media accounts? Don't forget to hit subscribe in your player so that you don't miss any future episodes and make sure to reach out to Jeff Chastain on any of the major social media networks or check us out at admentis.com.